the tube. It was quite true. She mostly lived in the country, and she was rich. Also, she wasn't strong. There was a little something wrong with her heart, a murmur, a valve that functioned less than perfectly. The older people called her delicate. She had been told that having children might present problems, but nothing that couldn't be managed. She might want children one day, but not yet. It made her lazy. It made her rather self-indulgent. For instance, she never felt guilty about lying down after lunch. She liked having people about to look after her. It had never occurred to her to get any sort of job. Since she was seventeen, she had had her own car, and when she came to London, a fleet of private hire cars at her disposal. Not to mention the taxis that swept round the Mayfair corners. She had been married and divorced, had had fifteen lovers, give or take a little, had been to the United States seventeen times, to Africa twice, explored from a car or at a leisurely pace the capitals of Europe, twice circled the world, done the sophisticated things, but left undone so many ordinary things. And she had never been in the London Underground. She had no intention of going into it. You heard such stories: rapes, assaults, gangs, fires, trains halted through suicides, the rush hour. Her brother, who was also her twin, said when they were back in London, "I shouldn't bother. Who cares whether you have or not? I've never been in St Paul's Cathedral. I hate it. I'd like to destroy it." What, Saint Paul's? The tube. I'd like to raise it and plow over the site like the Romans did with Carthage. She laughed. You can't raise something that's already underground. It runs under my flat. I can't stand it. I hear it in the early hours. Move then, she said idly. Why don't you move? She rested after lunch. And then a taxi took her up to Hampstead, and a shop that sold a certain kind of ethnic clothes not available elsewhere. The shop was round the corner in Back Lane. She bought a dress made for a Peruvian bride, high-necked, tight-waisted, with big sleeves, and a big floor-length skirt, white as a white rose, with white satin ribbons and white lace. They said they would send it. They got so far as taking her address, but she changed her mind. She wanted to wear it that night. There was no shortage of taxis going down Heath Street and Fitzjohn's Avenue. She let them pass, came to Hampstead Tube Station, and thought what an adventure it would be to go home in a train. Buying the dress had altered her mind. She was possessed by a reckless excitement. This she knew to have its pathetic side. What would they say to her if they knew these people who were obliged to use this means of transport day in, day out? The thought of their contempt, their disgust and envy, drove her in. Some minutes were occupied in the buying of a ticket. She didn't know what to ask for at the ticket window, so she essayed the machine. It was a triumphant moment when the yellow ticket fell into the space behind the small window, bringing her change with it. She watched what other people did, showing their tickets to the man in the booth, and she did the same. There was a staircase. 
A notice informed the public that this was the deepest underground station in London, 300 stairs to the bottom. Passengers were advised to take the lift. The gates of the lift closed as she approached it. If she waited, surely another would come. It was then that she reflected how complicated a process it was, this travelling by tube. She thought of herself as intelligent and had been called so. How was it then that all these ordinary people seemed to manage it with effortless ease? The lift came, and she got into it fearfully. She was alone in the lift. Would she have to operate it herself? And if so, how? It was a relief when others came. Others who took no notice of her, but if they thought of her at all, must think her as seasoned a traveller as they.